My name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Last week I spoke about discipline, and I talked about the spanking spoon. And uh, this week I read uh, of a different method of discipline that I'd like to share with you. Uh, most of the American, this is, a, this is I'm reading to you now. Most of America's population thinks it's in, improper to spank children. So I came up with a less hands-on way to handle mine. One that I found effective is to take him or her on a car ride and talk. They usually stop misbehaving after our car ride. I've included a photo of one of my sessions with my son, in case you'd like to use my technique. Sincerely, a friend. <laughs> I, I tell you what, man. I, that, there you go, parents. A new parenting uh, method of discipline right there. You don't have to use a spanking spoon. Uh, I, I think... Uh, I think I'd stick with a spanking spoon, but um, you feel free to experiment with any manner of discipline you want to use, right? Um, my uh, aunt reminded me that our spanking spoon had a name. Her name was Sally. I don't know how you used that. Did you? Did okay, they called it Sally? Well, actually, we have a Sally in the congregation fellowship here, so please don't be offended, Sally. I don't know why they. I don't know why they named it Sally, right? But uh, but they did. So. Um, this morning, I'm going to continue my talk on parenting. In fact, I'm going to bring it to the end. This will be part three. I promise we're going to finish and um, uh, that. But before we do, I have a couple of thoughts from last week that I need to pursue. So here's the first one. Some found my statement last week that God is both male and female to be a bit disconcerting. So let me clarify. Actually, I, I don't think God is a human being at all. I think he's totally a separate being than us. He's not like us at all. He's eternal in nature, meaning he was never created. He has always been. And I know that's just hard for us to understand. So I don't believe that God is really either male or female. I think he's a different, a different being. And unlike our culture, I do believe that our genders are different. I think the Bible teaches that, that our genders are different. I believe there are legitimate and real differences between men and women. One's not better than another. But one's not more important than another. In fact, I believe that God has created us complementary. I think we complement each other in our differences. And I don't mean just biological differences. I mean the differences in the way God has created us so that we tend to think different. And again, these are, these are stereotypical. They're not, they're not always going to be perfectly. There's not perfect categories here. I get that. But generally, God has made us not just different biologically, but he's made us different, different in the way we think and different things like that. And, and I want to say to you that I believe that our differences male and female differences, I think they spring out of the person of who God is. I think they flow from him, those differences in us. So I, I think our differences spring from the nature of God, this eternal being who's three distinct persons. Now, that being said, God the Father has chosen to identify himself with a male role, Father. 
I'm assuming it has something to do with our roles that he's given us. So he's chosen father. And Jesus became a male when he became one of us. He chose masculinity to come as a male. Uh, Why God chose those things, I don't know. We can ask him one day. But I stand by my statement that God is neither male nor female. I think God is God. And in our differences, we we find those differences in the person of God. At least that's what I believe the Bible teaches. Now, that being said, the second thing I want to share to you from last week is I felt a bit conflicted after, after you know, sitting, delivering the message that I gave you last week. Uh, I was a bit conflicted because maybe I've compa- uh, co- conveyed to all of you that I think parenting is simple. And that if you just follow some simple prescription uh, to parenting, everything's going to turn out right. And that being a dad and a mom is, is a breeze. And I don't think that at all. In fact, uh, I think parenting is glorious, but I think it's hard. I, I think it's a burning joy and a strength. But at the same time, it's blood, sweat, and tears. It's humbling defeats and it's exhausting victories. Nobody thinks parenting is easy unless you're not a parent, right? If you're not a parent, you would say things like, boy, I'd do it different. My kid would never be like that. You, you should never say that until you are a parent because you would find that not to be true. So those two things behind us, let's review the blessing that is parenting. We've said that children are a blessing. They're a gift from God. We said the goal of parenting is that we should raise our children to love and to follow Jesus. And I really do believe, as much as I have other goals for my kids, that is the goal for you and me who follow Jesus. It is that we might so impact our children that they follow after him and that they love him and they live consequential lives for him. Then I talked about the means of parenting. That was my third point. And, uh, and I said there were two positive means, and then there was a negative, don't do this. And the, last, uh, the first week we talked about the first mean, which was loving your children. I stand by that. I think that one of the greatest ways that will impact our children to follow Jesus is simply by demonstrating to them the love of God. And, and, and loving them unconditionally. And, and we talked about all these different ways of loving them. And then we talked about training your kids last week. And this is just review. There were three specific agencies by which I think you train your children. One of them is your life. You train your children by modeling for them. And you model for them. And here's what I said. You model for them love. You model for them faith. You model for them prayer. You model for them a, a spiritual dependence on God, a spirit-filled life. And I said, you model forgiveness and humility and selflessness. And I could have gone on and on and on. But, but those are the things that I said that we model for them. And then I said, the second agency of training them was instruction, that you train them with your words and that you should teach them the past and you should teach them the future that's coming. You should teach them the character of God, how to live for him today. And, this, and listen, parents, all the more in these days of, of shifting sands of culture, You need to be the ones teaching your children how to live in this world. You need to be the ones teaching them about how to navigate, uh, you know, the the shift away from from gender 
the shift away from, from sexuality, biblical sexuality, and what marriage is and all that. You, you need to be the ones teaching them how to live in, that, in this day. And again, we're going to all help you because we're all doing this together. We're a family. We're a community. And so we're all working together on this. Okay, but parents, you're the primary voice of instruction in your children's lives. And then I told you that you should teach them the things you're learning. Because when you teach them what you're learning, you're modeling for them that following Jesus isn't a static thing. It's not something that you do once and you're done, right? It's following Jesus as an everyday event, an everyday, uh, an everyday following, not just a one-time following. And so, so you teach them the things that you're learning. And then the third thing was discipline. And discipline is using momentary pain to train the child. And, and by the way, God still disciplines us. So he's disciplining us as adults and he's doing the same thing. He's bringing momentary pain in our lives to hopefully produce an end of righteousness and godliness. That's what he says. And so parents, you're to do that. And I told you last week, and I'm not going to, this is as far deep as I'm going into the review. But remember, I told you this, the more you use discipline on your children when they're young, the less you'll have to do as they get older. But if you, if you neglect the discipline at the child when he's a little one, the more it's going to affect them as they get older and the harder it'll be for you to parent and the harder it'll be for you to train them in righteousness. All right, that's a review. So that brings us now, uh, those are the two positive things. That brings us to the one negative thing that God tells us to be careful not to do. Now within the Bible, there are two Bible passages that instruct parents um, using the same word prominently. And that word is provoke. And the first verse is Ephesians 6, 4. And it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. That's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae that he never visited. He never went there. Epaphroditus had founded this church. I think it was Epaphroditus. And, um, and Paul's writing them because he wants to encourage them as he is the mentor for, if I've got it right, if it's Epaphroditus, he's the mentor, mentor for him. And so he's trying to help this church that he's planted. And this is what he writes to them. He echoes the, the passage in Ephesians or the, the, the admonition in Ephesians. And he says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So let me kind of combine those two verses. I think this is legitimate. Let me combine those two verses into one thought. And here it is. Fathers and mothers. I'm going to include mothers because I think fathers, it's not just dads that can provoke their children to anger and to discouragement. It's moms, you as well. So fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger and discouragement, but instead bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. So there it is. If we want to raise children who love Jesus, we've got to be really careful not to, not to provoke them to anger and discouragement. And um, I kind of lost my thought here in my notes, even what I've written down here. We're, we're not to do that, but instead he says, we're not to unjustly do that. We're to be careful to, to not do that to our children. But instead, he says to do what the, the positive things that we've been talking about, loving them and training them and disciplining, disciplining them in, in instruction uh, through the Lord Jesus. So, parents, I, uh, I want to assure you this morning, if you don't know this, your parents really do know when you are provoking them to anchor and when you're discouraging them. They really do know it. They can see it. Uh, it's really clear to them, even if it's not 
to you. And I would even say sometimes our children might be justified, although I struggle with this. Are we ever justified truly in our anger? Anger is an emotion. Jesus tells us to not to be careful not to let our emotion, not, not to let the sun go down on our emotion. So people want to say there's such a thing as righteous anger. And if there is, I think only Jesus could have lived it out. I think the rest of us, our anger should be a warning sign that something's not right, that we need to address something in our heart when, when we're angry. But, but I do want to say that I think our children, maybe justified is not the right, right word, but I think sometimes that anger that comes in our children, it's there and we have brought it about. We're the cause of that emotion of anger uh, in their lives. There are times when we provoke them and exasperate them and it results in anger. A discouraged child is one who's lost heart, who's been so beaten down, if you would, that they don't care anymore. One Bible translates one of these verses, lest he be discouraged and quit trying. So you can affect, you can make it so your children quit trying. They quit trying to be faithful to your instruction. They quit trying to follow Jesus because you and I are discouraging them and provoking them to anger. There are lots of ways that we can do this. In fact, if you go out on the internet and, and, and type in this question, how do we provoke our children to anger? Let me tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find one article says 12 ways to provoke your children to anger. You'll find another one that says 16 ways to provoke your children to anger. You'll find a fourth or a third article that says 18 ways to, to provoke your children. And then you'll find one more that says 25 ways to provoke your children to anger. Uh, I want to highlight seven this morning. That's the perfect number. This is a perfect sermon. A perfect number, perfect sermon. I want to highlight seven ways. And I want to tell you how I came up with a lot of these. I came up by asking you. I came up by asking you parents and saying, you adults, and saying, what did your parents do that made you angry? What did your parents do that exasperated you? So that's, that's kind of, this is an anecdotal talk. This is, uh, this is out of your experience. And some of this is out of my own experience. But here are the seven, seven challenges I want to give to you parents to not do this. Okay, so here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, your child is never good enough. You provoke your children to anger when your child is never good enough. I asked a group of, of ladies, of sisters, I said, uh, you know, what, what provoked you to anger as a child? And one person immediately spoke up and they said, Nothing I ever did was good enough for my dad. He always highlighted what I didn't do or how I fell short. You know, parents, it's really easy for us to focus on the negative in our children. It's always, it's easy for us to be critical. And especially if we have a bent towards criticism, it's really easy for us to just highlight that. I want to challenge you parents to be encouraging recognizing the positive and the good that your children do. Because if you don't ever recognize that and all you ever see is what they don't do and all you ever see is where they fall short, then you're going to do what Jesus has told us not to, what God has told us not to do. You're going to hurt your kids. You're going to discourage them. You're going to make them not want to try anymore. You're going to evoke anger in their hearts if you're not willing to... Um, to be an encouragement. And we talked about this when we said, what does it mean to love your children? Remember that? And I said that part of loving your children means that you are their encouragement. You are the person who is giving them words of affirmation. 
Now, please don't misunderstand me. I, I feel sometimes when I'm behind this desk, especially what I've experienced here lately, is that people are going to take what I say and, and somehow swing it to, to a wrong end, right? I'm not, I'm not saying, folks, there's not a place for correction and training. I've already told you that the way that you raise children that follow Jesus is you train them and you instruct them. I'm not saying that you don't ever correct your children. What I'm saying is that if all you ever do is point out where they fail, you're going to create children who are hurt and angry and discouraged, and they're, they're not going to want to please you or learn from you or follow after Jesus. Here's the second one. We discourage our children, we provoke our children to anger when we show preferential love for one child over another, or we compare our children to each other or to someone else. And you know, there's plenty, I mean, I could point to the scripture here, I could go and we could bring up um, Esau and Jacob, see how that turned out, right? Or we could go to more and more, maybe more clearly, we could go to uh, Jacob and Joseph and his brothers. They hated his brother, right? They hated his brother. Why? Because dad showed preferential treatment to Jacob. So when we do things like say, why can't you be more like your brother? Or why can't you be more like your sister? Or we say, why can't you be more like so-and-so's child down there? If we say those sort of things, then we're doing nothing but hurting our children. Let me tell you what our children are hearing, the message they're receiving. The message they're receiving is, I'm not good enough. The message they're receiving is, I'm not good enough in myself. And we don't love them is what they're hearing when we're comparing them uh, to others. We're telling them we're not satisfied with how God made them when we're comparing them. Now we think, well, here's what we're trying to do. Let's be honest. Here's what we're trying to do, parent. We're trying to manipulate our child. We're thinking like if I hurt them by saying they're not good, as good as so-and-so, that somehow that hurt's going to motivate them to be better. I tell you, negative manipulation never works. Uh, it never works. It doesn't change anything. It just hurts the people that you're trying to manipulate. And we would maybe not even think about it. We're not thinking about we're trying to manipulate. But that's what we're doing when we use negativity to try to change our children. And, and we, we discourage them. And it leads to a downward spiral of, of hurt and anger. Now, if my brothers are listening to this, I just want them to know that I, I'm thankful that God protected them from that because I'm my mother's favorite. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, go out and look at her Facebook because every time I'm over there, she always says, Jimmy's my favorite son's here to visit me today. It doesn't hurt that I know her password, so, or that I have access to her, to her iPad. All kidding aside, though, parents, listen, we can't do that. We can't, we can't preferentially love our children. And, and, and none of us would say we do, but we got to be careful that we don't portray that to our children by, by comparing them. Here's the third thing. You exasperate your children when you never listen to them. And this is something someone shared with me. Uh, all of us want to be heard, and they felt like their parents never listened to them, never sought to understand them. All of us want to be understood. All of us want to be listened to. We want to plead our case. We want to, be, we want to have the opportunity to persuade someone. We want somebody to listen to us. And our children are the same. They want to know that their mom and dads, especially their mom and dads, are really listening to what they're saying and, and what's important to them. And when we don't listen to them, when we don't show them the attentiveness that, that they need and desire, then basically we're, we're invalidating them. We're belittling their worth. 
Let me say this. Listen carefully. I'm not saying, parents, that listening that, that listening means agreement. I'm saying that to all of us because I, I find that problem with us as adults, right? If somebody, if I make my case and someone doesn't agree with me, then I say, you never listen to me. You don't hear me. I'm not saying that. You know, we just because you talk to me and I hear you or your children talk, I'm not saying we have to agree with them. But we need to make sure that people know that we're actually listening to what they say and we understand what they say. Now, here's how you do that. You do that by active listening. You do that by repeating back to them what they've said. You make sure that you know, that, that they know you understand them. And then if you disagree with them, or especially your children, if you disagree with them, listen, your children deserve dignity. They deserve for you to tell them why you disagree with them. I mean, it's just the, the whole, and there's a place for you to say, do what I say because I'm mom and dad. There's a place for you to say that, right? But if that's your MO, if that's what you always say, then you're going to exasperate your children because it's just teaching, it's saying to them, I'm not listening to you. I don't, I don't want to care. Hey, I'm mom, I'm dad, do what I say. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to listen lest you frustrate your children, lest you provoke them to anger and discourage them. Number four, your responses are often in tone with anger or harshness. Here's a Bible verse for you from the Proverbs. A soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Right? So what does that say? That says when you intone your words with anger, what you do to the person you're speaking to is you, you, you draw anger in them. And that's true with your children. If you talk to your children with harshness and with anger in your voice, then you're simply going to stir up anger in them. You should never do that. In fact, the psalmist says to the Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. I don't believe God wants us to discipline our children in anger or in wrath. So here's, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to speak honestly with us as parents. You know, sometimes we're angry because life is really tough. I mean, we're just angry because it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. It, you know, at work, things went bad, or maybe I lost a lot of money in a stupid deal that I made. I'm really angry at myself, but I'm angry. You know, if you're not careful, you can let that anger spill out of you into your children. And so when you're disciplining them, you're not, you're taking, you're letting your anger come out on them. You're not really angry with them, but you just need someplace to vent your anger. And when your children in childishness often, I mean, I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm talking about just childishness. And you can respond to them with an anger that is going to discourage them. And it's going to provoke them to anger back because a harsh word stirs up anger. So be careful, everyone. You know, when you're, when you're angry, you're, you're poisoning your children. You're going to poison your children. So deal with your own anger. We should all deal with our own anger. Number five, you, you discourage your children. You, you, you provoke them to anger when you break your promises to your children. The most important relationship you have or your family is your family. It's going to be your spouse and your children. And, and for your children, you are their security. I mean, I mean, you, you're their world and they trust in you. You know what? If you're always breaking your word to them, it's, it's just really disconcerting. Who can I trust in? Where's my security? I can't trust dad and mom because they don't keep their word. And, and that brings that insecurity. That, that brings fear. And fear brings, brings, did you know there's such a fine line between fear and anger? 
A lot of times when people are angry, it's because they're afraid. It's just fear coming out in anger. And so when you don't keep your promises to your children, you're creating an insecurity in them that makes them feel unimportant, disrespected, devalued, and, and, it's, and it's hurtful. And that hurt leads to fear. Don't misunderstand. Every Don't take this to the nth degree. Every parent's going to make promises that they can't keep. It's going to happen to all of us, right? We're going to say things that we can't deliver on. We're going to make promises that something happens. We get called into the office. If, you're, if you work for someone else, you're going to get called in the office, and you're not going to be able to keep that promise that you made to your kids. Or there's an emergency with your neighbor that you've got to take care of, and, and whatever you'd plan with your children isn't going to happen. Your kids will understand that. But if the tenor of your life is one of breaking promises to your children, they won't understand it. It'll just be one more thing in this litany of broken promises that you, that you leave to your children. So dads, moms, keep your word. Be truthful to your children. Number six, you never admit, in my mind, these, these last two are two of the biggest. You never admit your, or own up to your own failures. You never admit or you own up to your own failures. I think if there's anything that'll exasperate, that exasperates our children, it's when, when we screw up, but we're not willing to admit it and we're not willing to seek our kids' forgiveness. Pride convinces us that apologizing to our children is a display of weakness, of our parental power over them, you know, and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, if you're a mature Christian, you know this. You know that humility is, is the way of strength, not pride and arrogance. I told uh, Jesse and Stephen this morning when we were, we were meeting that I, I remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I just remember so vividly when, when Bush, uh, George W. Bush had the sign on the aircraft carrier that said, mission accomplished, y'all remember that? And it turns out it wasn't anywhere near accomplished, and, and it went on and went on. And I used to say, I used to say, why doesn't Bush get on TV and say, Hey, everyone, I was wrong. I thought we'd, we'd done the mission, but it wasn't true. We're still going to be fighting this battle. I'm sorry. We're just going to have to keep going. And, and people would tell me, political people in our church would tell me, they would say, oh, no, no president can admit that he made a mistake. No president can admit failure. And, and it's, I think sometimes parents, we're like that. We think the same way. No parent can admit failure. I'm telling you, the way of strength is humility. The greatest strength in your life, I think, is being willing to own up to your children in particular, but anywhere to own up when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we drop the ball. And um, I think that models the character of Christ. Here's what the Bible says about humility and pride. It says, God stiff arms the who? The proud. But he gives grace to who? the humble. I'm telling you, I think your kids do the same thing. Your kids will stiff arm you if you're filled with pride and arrogance, but they will, they will give grace to the dad and mom who says, man, I messed up. I, I can't tell you how many times I went to my children and I said, hey, dad screwed up. Dad was angry. Dad, when he disciplined you, I, I, I was too angry when I disciplined you. That was wrong. Would you forgive me? And I just remember, and I can't remember specifics or I'd share them with you, but I, but I do remember often asking my kids to forgive me where I didn't, uh, I didn't do right. And finally, you walk, here, here's how we exasperate our children. You walk in hypocrisy before your children. And I, I save this one to last, but in my mind, this one's the first. Uh, I think this one's huge. You provoke your children to anger and discouragement if you hold them to one standard 
but you're living to another one. And if there's anyone, anyone that knows whether you're the real McCoy or not, it's your children. It's your children because they see you. They see you at home. They see how you treat your spouse. They see how you treat them. They see how you treat others. They see what you say. They're just watching you 24-7. And so they, they know whether you're real or not. And when you hold them to one standard, but you live by another standard, you're telling your children that there's no firm standard. In fact, you're telling your children, live a facade so that other people see you this way, you know, but you, you go ahead and live this way when nobody else is looking. That's what you're teaching your children. When you hold them to a standard, but you're living something totally different than that. God calls us uh, to discipline our children and instruct our children by explanation. But remember this, we've said it over and over again, by, by modeling, by demonstration. And so if you have one standard to which you hold them to, but you are living something else, you're saying, do what I say, not as I do. I'm telling you, that's the biggest waste. And you're going you're to create children that are angry. And you're going to create children that are discouraged. And you're going to create children who don't want to follow Jesus because they've watched hypocritical mom and dad do something different. So that's it. We're done. Wow, it's only 11.18. I'm giving you guys all kinds of time back today, right? I'm not quite done. No, 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 really. No, I'm done. But I'm not quite done because... I want you to, I want to take a few minutes before we dismiss and go home on this Sunday morning. I really want to just ask you, well, I want to say a couple of things. One is maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, wow, Jimmy, I did a lot of those things as a parent. I really messed up. My, I'm done. I'm done parenting. I know a lot of y'all corrected me when I said I'm done parenting. Uh, and you said, no, you're always a parent. You're absolutely right. But you know what I mean? I'm not parenting little ones in the home anymore. So what if I, what if I, all the things I just said, what if you were exasperating your children? What if you messed up along the way? So I want to, I want to give you some encouragement here. And I've, I've given this encouragement every, every Sunday in this parenting series. I think I've tried to anyway, that God can restore the years that have, that were messed up. God can fix the past. He can change it for a different future, right? But, but here's one thing I'd like to say to you parents. If God convicts you that, man, Jimmy, you really messed up. You really dropped the ball. And there's a lot of specific things that come to mind. If, there, if this is you, go to your children and do what I'm saying now. Humble yourself. Go to your children and say, man, Tad really... Dad didn't do it right then. I recognize that. Son, daughter, would you forgive me? You know, because that's where, that's where healing begins. That's where restoration begins. When we're willing to, strength is found in humility. That's where it's found. And God, God gives grace to the humble. So if by some chance, you know, there's failure for you older parents that, that your children are already raised, then, hey, if there's something to do there, fix it. You know, as much as it depends on you, fix it. Now, if you're a parent that's in the middle of it still right now, then, then examine your parenting. 
Sit down as a husband and wife. Say, hey, do you think you think I'm being too harsh? You think we're being too harsh? You think we're being, hey, are, are we are we holding our kids to a different standard than we're living? I mean, all the things that I ask you today, if you took notes, you, you got them right there in front of you. You can go home and, and you can talk together as a couple. And where there needs to be correction and fixing, fix it. Change it. You're in the middle of it. It's okay to change it. It's okay to fix it. Work on it now. You can do all of that. You know, my hope is that you've been challenged and not shamed. My hope is that you've been convicted and challenged to say, God, I want to be the best parent so that I can raise my kids to love and know you. And I hope you've been encouraged and not somehow discouraged that, hey, I've been failing because hey, there's, there's always tomorrow. The past is the past. It's behind us. Can't change a thing about yesterday and beyond. But I can change from this point forward. So parents, grandparents, let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Let's depend on him. Let's be filled with the Spirit. And let's say, Jesus, use our parenting to... May, may our community never lose another one of our children. May our community never... May all of our children follow after Jesus and love Jesus. And, 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 and may we give ourselves parents and adults and, and family. Let's give ourselves to that, to help, to help that be so. Let's pray together. <coughs> Lord, thank you for the amazing role of being a parent. And I, I thank you that uh, I, I had the privilege of being a parent. And, uh, and I just, Lord, I thank you for all the parents that are, are here now in the midst of parenting, wanting to love their children and instruct their t children, train their children to love and to follow you. I, I pray, God, that you would energize them, that you would, Lord, instead of their hearts being discouraged by any of this, that their hearts would be energized to, to be just this parent that's going to pour into and love and, and instruct and discipline and model for their children what it means to love you and know you. And Lord, on behalf of all of us, I pray that our church family would be strong, that you would knit our hearts together, that we would be in this together. Lord, we, we want to reach the world all around us. We want to reach people who live here in Surrey and Smithfield, Isle of Wight. We want to reach them with, we want to help them come to know you as we've come to know you. And so help us do that. But Lord, we really want to say, Father, help us reach our children Help us, help us love our children, train our children. Lord, may our children be the next generation that follows after you and, and then the next generation after that and then the next generation after that. Father, where we failed, I pray that you would energize every son and daughter of yours to be humble and, uh, Lord, to, to step back and maybe make some positive steps into the future to change things. And, and I don't want to use the word fix things, but make a different future. Lord, would you, would you give them the, the humility and the strength and the grace by your spirit to do that? Lord, thanks for this, these, this lesson on parenting. It turned out to be a couple weeks more than I thought it was going to be. But Lord, would you use this, I pray, in my heart and in every one of our hearts, we pray for Jesus' name. For Jesus' sake and in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Mm -hmm.